Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, what's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and of course, you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Hey, thanks, everybody. It's a Friday. It is a beautiful day, but it is chilly out there, and we are ending the week with some uh, some discussion about big news today. But before we get into any of that, I want to thank you all. We have seen 120 reviews on the Apple podcast, and we want to try to get to 150, so you guys know the drill. If you got a second, give us a five-star review, and we'd love it. And if you're one of those, as we've talked about before, those extra mile people, you can go ahead and give us a written review. We've seen plenty of those, and we truly do appreciate those. Well, as we move forward today, I just want to welcome again. It's Listen, it's not every day you get three times a week with Suzanne Downing, but here we are, and I'm excited. Suzanne, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and I just want everybody to know I read every single one of those comments, and I appreciate them on the podcast. I really do, because we have fun doing this, but we... You know, it's nice to know that people out there are listening to it. Yes, it, sometimes you feel like, are we in a fishbowl? But no, it is getting out there and content, uh, especially from you and everything that you've been writing has been phenomenal. But today, the Rittenhouse verdict came in. Yeah. Big wow. day. Wow. Huge day. And uh, on Must Read Alaska, you did write a column. I think because of the, well, just the magnitude of this case, uh, you wrote a column. It's under the heading, Suzanne Downing, in Rittenhouse verdict, the real justice is now Kyle's case against the media, politicians, celebrities, and perhaps the president himself. That seems to be a big question now, right? He's been uh, found not guilty on five counts, right? He had five counts? Right, all five counts. And there were a couple of counts that were already dismissed. So as everybody who's listening to this already knows, uh, these, these counts today he was acquitted on. And so that's pretty much done. I mean, I think there may be a, that sometimes what happens, you'll see a civil case brought against him, and that wouldn't surprise me a bit. But this is a kid who has been railroaded by the media, and the mainstream media convicted him long before he ever got to court and made him into the white supremacist that they decided he needed to be, the poster child for uh, you know, white, powerful men in America. This is just a kid from the suburbs of, of a, a you know small town in Wisconsin who went into town, his, where his parents live, where his dad lives, to defend the town from being burned to the ground by Black Lives Matter and Antifa. All of these riots, Scott, mm -hmm. that we saw last year that have magically disappeared now, because of course we don't see any of them anymore. Right. I still believe that these were fomented by outside unseen hands that were trying to shape the election narrative because boy, I tell you, the minute that Biden was elected, everything calmed down. That just doesn't happen. Interesting how that works. And, and I would agree with you. Listen, coming out of this trial, uh, there's a lot of questions and I think your article touches on it. What is Kyle's next move? Because we've seen this before from the media. Now, in your article, you do a great job of bringing it back. And if you guys do not remember, there's a gentleman, a, a young man by the name of Nick Sandman, who, if you don't remember, was a part of a video where it looked as if 
a uh, American Indian was uh, banging a drum in front of him, and he was just awkwardly smiling, and it sort of became the nexus of this idea of Trump because he had a "Make America Great" red hat on. He was standing on uh, in the in D.C. I forgot what monument was it the Lincoln, Lincoln monument? Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, Lincoln Memorial. And and they use this they use this scene this video without any context just the video short clip itself as sort of pinning him again that lovely word white supremacist uh, Trumpism everything so everything that Trump at least the media put negative uh, in terms of what am I trying to say here all of the negativity surrounding Trump was in placed on this kid's head and without actually having any evidence knowing any part of the story but just saw this short clip he became the nexus of all that well come to find out all that changed once you saw other angles in longer sections of the clips that we did see where the gentleman was actually being aggressive he went for Nick he stood in front of him the narrative completely changed or at least should have but what ended up happening well, so with Nick Sandman, uh, as people remember, he was he was a, went to a Catholic school. He was uh, in Washington D.C. There he was there to take part in a rally that was a pro-life rally, and the kids from that school that came went up on the bus and vans to do what what Catholic kids do is they go and, and um, basically rally for life for the unborn children, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, perfectly good kids, and um, and then the Native American man was. Uh, pounding a drum in his face and being aggressive with him but the way they clipped that video of him made it look like maybe Nick Sandman was the aggressor and then they said that smirk and then you had me members of the media saying have you ever seen a more punchable face oh, yeah. things like that where they really went after him he's a teenager and they went after him viciously and then once all the rest of the footage came out Sandman he sued the Washington Post he sued CNN and I tell you, we don't know what the amount of the settlement was, but we know that he was looking for a lot of money, $250 million, I think, for reputational de damage, for def defamation. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, he, he settled, so he settled for some amount, and he is now very successful going to school and going to college and still speaking his mind, but he has had a, uh, a real taste of what it's like when the mainstream media goes after you without any supportive supporting evidence and this is what Kyle Rittenhouse has also faced and we've seen it for over a year and a half where they have uh, they've just brutalized this poor kid and most of um, America does not know who the kid is because I talk to you know people who get their their news from the mainstream media and I've asked them I've said this was a, a week or, or two ago and they read they just read uh, regular newspapers and they listen to NPR. And I said, do you think that this Grittenhouse kid will be convicted? And they say, yes, he will be. Based on what they're reading and based on what they're hearing in mainstream media, they believed he would be convicted. Those who were following the case have a completely different viewpoint on it because they're following it very closely and they're paying attention to the constitutional question about his right to bear arms whether or not he was entitled to have that weapon, um, whether or not he was uh, defending himself. It's not illegal to walk down the street with a firearm. And so um, those who are, are more constitutionally minded really thought it would be an injustice if he was convicted. But it depends on where you're getting your news from. If you are surprised by this verdict, 
maybe you should look at where you're getting your news from. Oh, absolutely. I think, like you said, the difference in the narrative between you actually watching the trial, and I did, I watched quite a few days of the trial, including some of the massive blunders by the prosecution and some of the almost unconstitutional questioning, including uh, bringing up the fact that Kyle decided to use his Fifth Amendment right, which is completely out of bounds for a prosecutor to bring that up. And the judge said so and said they were boarding on the line of a mistrial. And I believe the defense actually tried to get a mistrial, including with prejudice, which would mean no, you can't, re, you know, you can't retry him again. Uh, all that to say is, if you were watching the trial, you're absolutely right, Suzanne. There is no doubt that it would have been an absolute injustice for this kid to be uh, guilty of any of the counts that were in there, particularly all five. Uh, but if you're not, if you're listening to CNN, MSNBC, if you're li if you're reading the New York Post or the, excuse me, the New York Times or the Washington Post, or maybe even your local newspaper if they're covering it at all, you would have a very different outlook of what's going on. Matter of fact, you may even have misinformation about the case. Absolutely, and in fact, the um, the media was piling on. They basically said after his acquittal, they said that he, one MSNBC headline reads. Kyle Rittenhouse trial was designed to protect white conservatives who kill. So this is MSNBC doubling down on what, it's, what it had already decided. And then you even have a president who has said that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. And there's no, there's no evidence of that. And so you've got um, Joe Biden now saying the verdict in Kenosha will leave many Americans feeling angry and concerned, myself included. We must acknowledge that the jury has spoken. Now, he's saying that as a president, but when he was a candidate for mm -hmm. president, he was not vice president, he was a candidate, he said that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. And supremacist. And so I think that Kyle actually has a case against Joe Biden as a citizen for defamation. Well, and, and not only that, but as, you're, as you read through a lot of like CNN, MSNBC, it, Listen, you have to be smart nowadays when it comes to the media because what they do is they do this kind of uh, indirect connection. So right now on, MS, uh, on CNN, the top part will be all about the trial, but you scroll down just a little and then you start to see things about race in America. You start to see headlines like some in white power movements are turning on each other with a spectacular bitterness in court. Uh, all this to say is that there is a narrative that is being crafted out there. And, and it's not as if the media is learning from their mistakes, particularly with Nick Sandman. San, how do you say his name, last name? Sandman. Sandman. Yeah. Okay, I'm doing it right. Uh, no, no, they made the same mistake in this case. And so you and I had this offline conversation of, where's the accountability? And I'll give you an example. Uh, now I'm trying to remember how to say her name, but Hannah Jones, and I think her name is Nicole Hannah Jones, from the nineteen, uh, the 1619 Project. Oh, right, right, right. From the New York Times. Today, when the verdict was already read, found not guilty on five, this is what she tweeted out. And I've got a screenshot. And it says this. He, meaning Kyle, carried a gun he could not legally have illegally across state lines and killed two people. But sure, you all believe in law and order. Now, on the face of that, you're like, man, she, she must be upset. There's a really important and very misleading thing in this, and which is he did not cross state lines with that AR-15. It was bought in Wisconsin, and he was in Wisconsin. Right. It, there was no crossing of the border, which is a massive federal offense to do that. Right. Here we are, 
November 19th, the verdict's out, and there's still, this person works for the New York Times, still misinformation being spread on social media. And yet, I don't see any of the big tech people going, well, we're going to fact check you. No, no, no. No, no. no. They're in charge of fact checking. The New York Times and and Politico and and PolitiFact and all these, those guys are in charge of the fact checking, and they're they're going to tell you what's right and wrong. You know, the other thing that you're not seeing is... um, on the very same day, that is today, which is the 19th of November, that Kyle Rittenhouse was uh, you know, exonerated for his actions on that night in, in 2020, there was another man who also was acquitted. And his name, you don't hear. You're not going to hear about this guy named Andrew Coffey IV. Why not? Because he's black. He was exonerated today in a trial that took place, same time as Kyle Rittenhouse, um, over a 2017 raid in Indian River County, Florida, so in the West Palm Beach area. So the cops came, the federal you know, agents came to his house, they, they had their weapons, he fired back, he killed, uh, you know, his, his girlfriend died in the, in the firefight, and he was acquitted today of shooting or throwing a deadly missile. They were coming to look for drugs. This guy was a known felon, he shouldn't have been in uh, possession of a firearm. Five of the six counts were dismissed because he said it was self-defense because he did not know they were federal agents. And, and that's legit. I get that. Mm-hmm. If they did not declare, he, he probably was rightfully had the, those, those counts dismissed of, of murder or, or an unintentional homicide. But the, the reality is, is you're not hearing about that case because you're only hearing about the fixation that the mainstream media has on how bad whites are and how bad white kids are, especially white males. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid, it's, it's really tough right now being a young white male being raised because everybody's telling you that you have inherited racism and, and you, you have no choice in your life. You're just gonna be um, a white supremacist. But here we have in, in Florida, this guy is exonerated and it was also a just verdict. And I just, uh, you know, applaud him. I applaud his attorneys for yeah. Now, he did get convicted on the one count, which was he was a felon in possession of a firearm. That, he probably just, he probably just served the time served and they let him go. Well, and, and again, it's the, it's the idea that we are now uh, ignoring just anything else to create the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think what what's really interesting is is a couple things. Number one is, The fact that we talked about before we had mentioned this, big tech, that includes, in this particular case with Kyle, the fact that he had his GoFundMe account removed and revoked so he couldn't raise money for his defense, correct? Right. And and where's the justice in that, that you can't raise money for your defense? Yeah, because a tech company decides that they don't, not only do they not know anything about the case, they just don't want the blowback based on what the narrative is going to be coming out. I mean, it's pretty easy to see what was going to be happening from this. People spent no time, even as we just talked about with Miss Nicole Hanna uh, from the New York Times, still doesn't know the facts of the case. Or refuses to identify. And I'm going to just say, the GoFundMe, that company is chicken shit. I'm just going to say it on the air. They are horrible for having you know, banned him from being able to raise money for his own defense. What's the matter with corporate America that they can't see that that's an injustice? Well, not only that, but clearly if you were following the case and looked at all of the the evidence and that was actually presented, not surprise evidence from the prosecution, it was clear that Kyle was in defense of himself. He was uh, 
allowed to use deadly force because deadly force was being used against him. And so you can see that with the fact that all five accounts were found not guilty. But at the end of the day, big tech and big business, particularly when we're talking about GoFundMe, really is, is when are we going to hold everybody accountable for this? And look, we're in the media business, okay? We're in, we're in the blogosphere, we're in the online business. And one of the things that I think is just astounding is when you get it wrong, don't double and triple down on it. Just don't do it. It's absolutely insane. And like you said, and you brought this up before, the fact that nobody, and I mean nobody, is talking about uh, this case with uh, AJ, I guess Andrew Coffey, the fourth. Nobody's talking about that. But the cases are very similar. Very similar. And nobody wants to talk about that because you know why? It destroys that narrative. Right. It destroys the narrative that this man was able to claim self-defense, was able to prove self-defense, and now he's been exonerated from those particular charges, not the weapons charge, but I think it was second-degree murder and a couple well, of yeah. attempted first-degree murder charges, which are big deals. Oh, yeah, of a law enforcement officer. And yeah. so, I mean, it, so these things are comparable, and the fact that we're not, that we're not seeing that in the, in the media, it really shows you that the media, they fixate, they act like herd animals, and I know I've, I've, I've been a member of the media in the past, and I see myself as a slightly different animal now because I, I, I'm a heavy critic of the mainstream media because I see how it, I saw how it was done, I see how it's done now, and the people who are in the media, they are all part of a special kind of a club, mm -hmm. and they like to reinforce each other, they like to be accepted by each other, and alternate voices are not accepted, conservative voices are not accepted in that club. And so what happens is they get in to be in a little bit of a bubble, and of course they all see working for the Washington Post or the New York Times as that is grasping the golden ring for them. So they want to echo the behaviors that will get them those kind of jobs. So they're going to echo the behaviors that would be accepted by people like this, Nicole Hannah Jones, so the 1619 Project, yep. and the editors at the, at the New York Times, the editors at the Post, who, you know, they think that they are neutral. But we've, we, we choose to disagree with them on that. Exactly. And, and like I said, the promulgation of misinformation based on the ideology and that being accepted in big tech, including Twitter, when, like you said, Nicole Hannah-Jones clearly today is misrepresenting the case and saying, hey, this kid brought across state lines uh, an illegal firearm. That's just not true. That's just not true. And, and yet, I don't see anything. I don't know if the tweet is still up. Now, there was an individual who screenshotted it so that if it was taken down, which I, I'm not going to go back right now and look, but if it was taken down, where's the justice in this? This kid is 17 years old when this happens. Yeah, he's 18 now. He's 18 now. He was 17 when this took place, thrusted, much like Nick Sandman, into the public eye, was lied about, was... Uh, was placed everything that the media is trying to place on Donald Trump and a lot of um, others that are in his camp was all just showered on him as a 17-year-old kid unfairly. People like the president during his campaign called him a white supremacist. That's still promulgated now, that narrative. They've looked at his phones. they looked through his records. He has no link to a militia. He has no link to white supremacy groups. That's just a false narrative that's continually promulgated. And it, to this day, all of the investigation says, nope, he has no link to a militia, has no link to any white supremacy groups. Yet here we are again. If you're a white male, 
that's what you are if you go against anything that's on the left. If you're a white male, you're this. And I gotta say, I'm curious as to when this is going to end and, and how it will, right? So the idea is is that white men are the problem. It's That's just what it is out there. Right. That is the narrative. If you're a white male and you're not on the left, you are a problem. Right, that's true. When will the media learn their lesson? Until they get sued every time this happens? Until they don't understand that innocence to proven guilty is a part of our justice system? Because for Kyle and, and for um, Nick Sandman, that wasn't the case. They were not innocent until proven guilty. They were convicted until proven innocent. And this is what big tech, this is what mainstream media has done now. They have become caricatures of themselves, placing these kids and others in terrible situations, and they deserve what they're about to get. Oh, what they're about to get is a lawsuit. And so Nick Sandeman uh, wrote a column in the, in the Daily Mail in, in, in England, in Great Britain there, and it was about how he had sued CNN and Washington Post. Now, he cannot divulge what the amount was. That non-disclosure he, yeah, It was a non-disclosure. But what he did say is, I am there for you all the way, Kyle Rittenhouse, because what they did to you is what they did to me, and you need to sue them. And so um, Kyle just, his lawyers need to, to make a list, check it twice. Mm -hmm. And what we all want for Christmas is we want to see MSNBC, CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, Politico. We want to see them all on the list of uh, organizations that Kyle Rittenhouse and his family will sue. And I think that every person, every red-blooded American would love to donate to a fund, mm -hmm. to a defense fund, to help him sue the pants off those people. Because I think the only thing that'll make a difference is, is money talks. You know, yep. the people who own those companies, it's Jeff Bezos who owns the, the Post, and you know, money talks. And um, let's, let's challenge them and make them a little bit more careful next yeah. time. It's going to take a while. Like you said, will anything change? The only thing that changes is to have uh, to help somebody like Kyle Rittenhouse make the case that it was reckless disregard for the truth and that they were on a mission to assassinate his character. Now, before we go, I want to make sure that you know listeners know that he's a young man. He's going to have a lot of people wrapping their arms around him. I think he's going to come out of this fine because if you looked at him while he was on in, on trial, he's a man of character and he has a deep, deep conscience. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think what we're looking at is a true red-blooded American who's got more moxie than most of us could put together. I don't know what any of us could go through what he went through and hold, Not at 17, 18. and hold ourselves together. And as a mom, I will tell you that I have now watched the verdict read uh, today in this Rittenhouse case. I've watched that verdict read more times than I have watched the fall of the Twin Towers. I watched the Twin Towers fall maybe twice or three times, and I said, you know, that's enough. I don't think I ever need to see that again. Right. But the injustice to this young man in the prime, what could be the prime of his life, I really think will be uh, something that propels him to greatness. And I really hope that um, we see that we see him go to law school. I'd like to see him become a constitutional lawyer, and I'd like to see him go on and do really great things for America. Well, I can tell you this, when Nick Sandman was a part of this group of uh, young, white, teenage boys that was thrusted into the public eye and thrown every name and every uh, uh, 
trope you can think of because he was a Trump supporter. I thought that was only going to be a group of one. Well, they are doubling now in their groupage, and now you have Kyle in there. And my fear is that this group isn't going to go away, that there will be more instances where these boys, uh, or anybody that for Matt Matter, there should be nobody that has uh, no opportunity to show their innocence and prove their innocence before people start labeling them things. And to this day, like we talked about with Nicole Hannah-Jones and many others, I just saw in The Independent. The Independent put uh, that the fact that the two victims that were killed were black. That's not they, right. That's not right at all. <laughs> I mean, this is the problem we have. Big newspapers are getting it wrong, and they retracted that. You won't find it on the independent website anymore, but it was there, and I got a screenshot of that. Oh, here, here's, here's one for you. The, the head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, who's uh, Sean Patrick M uh, Maloney, he issued a statement today saying, It's disgusting and disturbing that someone was able to carry a loaded assault rifle into assault rifle, whatever that is, into a protest against against the unjust killing of Jacob Blake, an unarmed black man, and take the lives of two people and injure another and face absolutely no consequences. For one thing, Jacob Blake was not killed. In I mean, that was part of the whole protest. Jacob Blake was not killed. He was paralyzed. And by the way, he had brought a knife fight into a situation and the police um, officers did shoot him in the back. Uh, there's, there's no question that there's, there was an incident, police officers shot him in the back, but he had a knife. And so uh, even the head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, they are telling lies. By the way, there wasn't just a march. It was rioting. It was burning the city down. You can see it in all the videos. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not peaceful protests no. that were a little bit out of control. Uh, it was rioting. And, and here's what I'm hoping. We've got to get back to Big J journalism. Uh, if you're going to write for a newspaper, you got to be as objective as possible. And more importantly, you got to provide real facts, not just the uh, subjective facts you want to share or things you want to make up. I think it's more important than ever that you provide the facts. And that's what we expect from Big J journalism. We expect that. Well, at least we were brought up to expect that. That's not the case anymore. And I don't know what else you can do. I mean, Americans, you, you read me the poll. What is it, Americans, over 50% of Americans distrust the mainstream media? What was that poll? I think 58% of Americans now mistrust the mainstream media. And, and that, that's, that's profound. I mean, one of these days I'd like to retire. But if the mainstream media would please pull itself back into traditional journalism and doing its job and not this advocacy media, you wouldn't need something like Must Read Alaska. You know, you would be able to depend on them. But at this point, they have lost all credibility with conservatives. I mean, 80, 90 percent of Republicans do not trust the mainstream media. That is a huge problem for the, um, the newspaper organizations. I wanted to mention before we go that um, that Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be doing his, his first uh, post-trial interview. It'll be on the Tucker Carlson show. Um, Tucker's on, getting them all, isn't on he? On Monday, so that ought to be good. Man, Tucker is getting them all. I mean, Tucker, Daily Caller, Daily Wire, Must Read Alaska. Uh, you're right, in, in I, and I agree with you. However, Must Read Alaska plays an instrumental role in Alaska. Uh, when it comes to news and providing a, a much better and well-rounded picture of what's going on. And I say that because I have people that come up to me that uh, recognize my voice more than my face or writing at this point and say, uh, we appreciate what you do because we don't hear what you're telling us. We don't hear those facts. We don't hear 
uh, the full picture of what's going on. Instead, we just hear what is being promulgated from a particular narrative and a particular viewpoint. And I think it's, you know, you, that's why mainstream media and legacy media are so mad at guys like Joe Rogan or Ben Shapiro or Charlie Kirk or even the Daily Caller with Tucker Carlson and all these internet websites that are news-based is because they're becoming more and more irrelevant because people have a harder, harder time trusting what's coming from them. So why would you go to a New York Times to get what you consider objective journalism when you know it's very much subjective, narrative-based uh, commentary more than journalism, I would say. And this all started back in the 70s with sort of the new journalism, and it was uh, it was kind of a, it's where writers in, interjected themselves into the stories a lot, and it, it just sort of became this, a fad to be a, uh, a, a new journalist. And, and you know, the Watergate, that was a, a, a It was thing. like gonzo journalism. Was it, it was gonzo that? journalism. Yeah. yeah, what was that guy's name? Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson. And, and, um, the Merry Pranksters, he wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Fear and Loathing, and, and that was all the new journalism. It was just interjecting yourself. And so this, once it started, it opened the floodgates and it's been more and more and more prevalent instead of doing straight reporting. So the history, I hope, will not be kind to this era of journalism. I hope that it will be revealed someday about what these writers are doing, what these producers are doing. Uh, reporters are not honest brokers anymore of the news. Well, all you can hope is those coming up will use these two case studies, particularly in media and journalism, to realize maybe I should wait and stick to the facts instead of reporting what I hope or what I at least think is going to happen. Well, they'll get kicked out of the club if they do that right now. Right so, now. Well, like I said, got, sites like Must Read Alaska there you go. are the next wave. And you look at that, and uh, Must Read Alaska online, I mean, it's pretty much just me generating the content, and I, mean, I maybe do three or four or five stories a day. Sometimes I'm having a good day, I get seven stories out the door. I work awfully hard, as you know. But I don't have 15 writers on staff and photographers and web masters. I mean, this is really a shoestring operation. So just want everybody to know we really appreciate your support. We have about 40% uh, of the views that the Anchorage Daily News has. And we're pretty proud of that. I mean, yeah, we're never going to be the big boys because we don't have the staff, we don't have the resources, but we're holding our own and we're going to keep fighting for the truth. And whatever they do, we're going to we're going to pick it apart, and we're going to let people know when they are running a racket. Absolutely. Well, guys, that's about it. We talked a lot. It was hey, it was a great Friday podcast. I, really I appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, listen, like Suzanne said, we are a uh, we are a minimal team. Uh, we put Suzanne puts out a ton of content, and uh, I'm trying to make sure that we put out the content for your you know ear nuggets there, some audio ear nuggets. Uh, as much as we can possibly do that at minimum four times a week with this podcast. But if you want to help support us, the easiest way to do that is to go to mustreadalaska.com. Up at the top right corner, you can see where it says support Must Read Alaska. Every bit of donation helps to keep this operation going. Even though we are a small team, we do a lot of work behind the scenes. We have Suzanne who's writing, like she said, anywhere from five to seven columns a day and we're also trying to produce this podcast and maybe even who knows in the future there might be a video I know some of you have asked can I see the voice the face of the voice that you hear well I don't know if you're gonna to want to see that but you may well in the future but uh, go ahead and go to mustreadalaska.com and hit that donation button also if you haven't yet I'd love to have you guys like us on Facebook we're almost at 25,000 likes 
Uh, we want to get there at least by the end of this month, if not by the end of the year. And also subscribe and hit that notification bell on YouTube. We would love to have you follow us on there. We got great video content as well. Of course, you can get us on Parlor, Twitter, MeWe, Rumble, the works on there. It's all under the same handle, Must Read Alaska, all one word. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining with us on this Friday. Hopefully, this gives you a little bit of perspective on what we think. And uh, we will see you Monday because we've got a special guest. And I'm not going to give it away except for you want to, to hear from this guest. This guest is not short of words and very spunky is maybe a key word there. She's short of stature. But she packs a punch. She does. For sure. So until Monday, guys, take care, Alaska.